Welcome to the For God, For Others podcast, an effort of the ministry staff of the Kingwood Church of Christ in Murfreesboro, Tennessee. Our aim is to inspire you to live out the calling of being for God and for others. Be sure to check us out on the web at forgodforothers.org and find us on iTunes and subscribe so you won't miss any of our upcoming episodes. We hope you enjoy and we challenge you to live out your calling. Welcome in to the For God, For Others podcast. I'm your host, Jeff Brown, and today I'm joined by Neil Honey and Brett Van Zant, and we are going to talk about something that uh, I think is extremely critical and, and uh, very worthy of our time in discussion, and that is the concept that we as Christians are in the world, but we are not of the world. Uh, we're going to talk a little bit about what that means. We're going to look at uh, Jesus' words in the Sermon on the Mount about being salt and light. Uh, we'll probably get into a little bit about the, um, the evil around us and the things that we see in the world and what we as Christians are supposed to do. Uh, because, guys, it's, it's really, uh, it'd, it'd be a lot simpler just to go run and hide when we think about all the, the evil and the sin of the world. What, what do you guys think about that? Yeah, I mean, I, I think sometimes our first reaction is to say, well, the, the best way to be a Christian uh, and the best way to, to follow God would be somehow to remove ourselves completely from uh, the world that we're living in. And some have done that. You know, some have tried to do that and just totally disengage with society, disengage with culture. And, um, you know, they have their reasons, but I, I don't think that's, um, I don't think you can build a great biblical case for that. I think the Bible teaches us to, uh, to engage. Britt, uh, yeah, initial I thoughts mean, about it? I think that whenever you first start to think about it, that's not what Jesus did. Like God chose um, to redeem us through sending Jesus um, to live on earth for us. Like Jesus didn't just stay in heaven. Um, he came, lived, and dwelled among people. Um, and that's what, I mean, he was incarnational, right? That was his ministry, was coming into the world and surrounding himself um, with all sorts of different people. Um, and so, so that's what we have to do. We have to be in the world, um, but, uh, I mean, we should be holy. We do have to be different. We shouldn't just look like the world. Um, we've got to be set apart, and we'll talk more about that, I think. Absolutely. So you, going back to your point, Brett, you know, Jesus entered a sinful world. I mean, he, he you know, God put this into motion, and, and they chose to enter sin and enter the evil around, uh, around the world at that time so that we would have an opportunity to come out of it and live faithfully for him and also be able to spend an eternity where those things aren't going to be around us. Uh, we'll start today with John chapter 17. You know, Jesus is uh, praying to his Father in John 17, which, by the way, that's a, that's a whole other conversation. But if, if Jesus felt the need to, to be in close contact, communication with his Father through prayer, certainly we as his people have that need as well. And, and all of John 17 is a prayer. And, and he's praying for his disciples in the middle part of uh, that passage. And we get down to John 17, verse 13. Here's what Jesus says. I'm coming to you now, but I say these things while I'm still in the world, so that they may have the full measure of my joy within them. I have given them your word, and the world has hated them, for they are not of the world any more than I am of the world. My prayer is not that you take them out of the world, but that you protect them from the evil one. They are not of the world, even as I am not of it. Sanctify them by the truth. Your word is truth. As you sent me into the world, I have sent them into the world. 
For them I sanctify myself, that they too may be truly sanctified. So twice in this passage, Jesus says that his followers are not of the world just like he's not of it. He said that twice. But then he doesn't pray that God removes us from the world. He prays for our protection. And then he says, as God has sent him into the world, Jesus is sending us into the world. So flesh that out a little bit. What do you, what do you make of that passage? What, what jumps out at you as you, you hear Jesus praying to his Father about these things? Well, I, I guess the first thing that comes to my mind, just because this is the For God, For Others podcast, uh, is this idea that you know Jesus gives this greatest command, love God and, and love your neighbor as yourself. And so, um, you know, to think that I can love God uh, away from uh, the, the world uh, maybe seems possible, uh, but when he says that I have to love my neighbor uh, as I love myself in order to, to really show that and demonstrate that I love God, then, then I can't disengage, that, that I, I somehow have to be up and against uh, other people. Mm -hmm. And Bridge, think about it. You go back to the point you made a few minutes ago. Jesus, when he was here, he never disengaged. He was, you know, he was among the, I mean, he was often criticized for hanging out with those who were sinful, yeah. those who were evil. So any thoughts on that? Yeah, I mean, the people that Jesus surrounded himself weren't perfect. Even the 12 that he chose, the apostles that were closest to him, were from all different walks of life and had all sorts of different baggage that they brought to the table. Um, but those were the 12 that he chose to invest the most in. Um, and so that those people, like once Jesus died and was resurrected um, and left, those 12 people, specifically the 11, I guess not Judas, um, <laughs> but those 11 could then influence the rest of the world. They weren't supposed to, once Jesus left, just go like get away from everything. Their job at that point was to go into all the world, right? Mm -hmm. um, and so that was the greatest, the great commission. Um, and so that's what that's what they did. Absolutely, and and I think one of the passages that the Apostle Paul wrote about really indicates what we're supposed to do as we are in the world but not of the world. Over in Romans twelve verse two, he says, "Do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world." but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Mm. So Paul tells us that we are not supposed to be like the world, even though we're in the world. And I don't know what you guys think, but man, that, that conforming, I, I see that all the time. And I've probably been guilty of doing that from time to time. Maybe you guys have, but uh, I think that's a huge issue. And, and it bothers me or, or it, it, it hurts to see when, when the church, God's people, conforms to what we see around the world, uh, because God calls us to be different. God calls us to be holy. Any, any response to, to Romans 12? Yeah, um, we've had quite a few new Christians over the last few months here at Kingwood, um, and as I've met with some of our students and talked to them about becoming a Christian, um, one of the things that I always tell them is, once you decide and make that commitment to be baptized and to follow to follow Jesus, like your life can't look the same anymore. It has to be different. Um, we're a new creation. We're totally changed. We're totally transformed. Um, and so we have to 
we just have to be different. Um, and so I love that verse in Romans talking about that it's just it's totally different. It's a transformation. Um, it's looking completely new um, and living differently. Yeah, I mean, I think the easy thing to do is to assimilate and, and go with the flow. And so that's the, the conforming is kind of like human nature. You know, like you walk into a group and you may change the way that you talk and, and interact uh, just so that you can kind of fit in for that moment and not feel um, the, the stress of, of being different. Uh, and so okay, a, can I give an illustration for that for me personally? Sure. Um, so like I've been at Kingwood just a little under a year now. And when I got here, one of the things that I quickly realized, our students love High School Musical. Um, they love the soundtrack. They love to sing it. By the um, way, their, their preacher enjoys their, those as well. So their just, preacher just is in on that. Yeah. Um, well, I learned pretty quickly that that was a big deal to a lot of them, particularly our older students. And I had seen bits and pieces of High School Musical, um, but pretty quickly I had to watch it so that I could engage in conversation, so I could like um, just be a part of their discussions and kind of be into that group. Um, and so that's conforming a little bit. Um, but I think that like sometimes you have to like be in the culture to figure it out. But it is when you enter a group, you want to be like them. You want to look like them, kind of like yeah. you're saying. And, and, and so, like, the, the whole idea, you know, I think is as the church and, and, and as Christians, sometimes uh, in, in, in even, like, in sincere efforts to, to reach people uh, or to, to get to know people, uh, instead of maybe uh, contextualizing what we're doing in the gospel, uh, we conform to what the other the world is doing, uh, thinking that that is going to be the way to reach them, but but it's actually uh, the different way of living uh, that Jesus calls us to that will actually intrigue people um, out of the, the different ways that they may be living opposed to God's will. Well, let's think about this idea about conforming for a minute and using Brett's example of the great love story of Troy and Gabriella yeah. in, uh, <laughs> in High School Musical. <laughs> but if you, if you think about it, you can conform to the patterns of this world and conform to patterns that aren't necessarily sinful. Right. In other words, you know, you watch that uh, that musical or, or another movie or, or television show or whatever and, and you conform to try to fit your image to what their image looks like. You know, you see the, the clothes they're wearing, the styles they wear, uh, the way they do their hair, um, you know, things that they do and you think, man, I want to be like that. Well, there's nothing inherently wrong with that necessarily. But, but that's even an example of conforming. You're, you're doing something based off the influence of the world right. instead of a, a conviction within yourself uh, that this is what I ought to, ought to do. So conforming can happen even in non-sinful ways mm -hmm. just because we're looking to, to do what well, we Well, it's we the incarnational the part of it. It's the like being fully invested in that community or your environment. Um, it's the like actually living amongst people. So you are, you're going to get to know them. You're going to kind of look like them. Um, and then you figure out how do I show them that there's something different about me um, because of what Jesus has done for us. And that's, that's kind of the next step yeah. um, to add to it. So before we get into the, the other deep theological things we're talking about here, I have to know, Brent, did you, <laughs> did you like High School Musical? I mean, what was your thoughts of... Uh, thumbs up, thumbs down. It, it's fine. <laughs> okay, good. <laughs> it's fine. Good. 
Uh, have you seen all three of them? <laughs> I have seen all three. Okay. The first one's the best one. The other two are eh. But the, no, first, one, would, the first one's good. The we we could good. debate because I, I think <laughs> the first one was the, it set the stage for the, the trilogy. But uh-huh. uh, everybody likes to say Star Wars trilogy and all that. But I'm, I'm a high school musical trilogy kind of guy. So <laughs> that probably says a lot. <laughs> uh, y'all just never know what you're going to learn on the Four God, Four Others podcast. <laughs> yeah. And we don't, we don't know what direction we're going sometimes. So, so uh, High School Musical has made its podcast debut. <laughs> Uh, so let's think about this idea of conforming based on what Jesus said in the Sermon on the Mount. Because in the Sermon on the Mount, as Jesus is coming right off the passage of Scripture uh, where he gives us what we call the Beatitudes, those blessed are uh, statements, you know, he talks about when people insult you, persecute you, say all kinds of evil because of me, you're blessed. Uh, then in verse 12, he says in Matthew 5, Rejoice and be glad, because great is your reward in heaven, for in the same way they persecuted the prophets uh, who were before you. Then here's what he says in 13 and 14, and here's, here's the concept I think Jesus would call us to, because we are in the world, we're not of the world. But So here's what he said. He says, we are the salt of the earth, but if the salt loses, it, loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled by men. You are the light of the world. A city on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand, and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before men, that they may see your good deeds and praise your Father in heaven. So that's kind of the call of Jesus when we think about being in the world but not of the world. We think about not conforming to the patterns of the world. Instead of being conform, or instead of conforming to the patterns of the world, we are to be salt and light. Salt is a preservative. Light penetrates through darkness. Um, Neil, you you had brought us. Uh, we were talking earlier about a, a quote that that's rather lengthy. We won't necessarily read the whole quote, but give us a give us a synopsis of kind of what that quote talked about, and maybe this gives us a picture of this salt and light analogy that Jesus uses. Well. Uh... This uh, uh, a theologian, a guy named John Stott. He he wrote about uh, and talked about salt and light uh, several different places. But uh, in, in one of his books, he he talks about how you know if you come home and uh, the house is dark after nightfall, uh, you don't blame the house. That's just what happens uh, when the sun goes down. The question you ask is where is the light? Mm. Uh, and then if a you know a fish uh, or meat is is rotting and stinking um you know you don't blame the fish that's just what happens when bacteria uh is left to to grow and to breed and so the question is you know where is the salt to Mm -hmm. to preserve it and so a lot of times uh as the church we kind of stand by and and we kind of you know self-righteously judge everything kind of outside of us uh, and we wonder, you know, why is there dishonesty? Why there's immorality? Why there's this or that? Uh, and really, maybe the question is, you know, where is the church? You know, where is the salt and light that Jesus has uh, called us to? That that would be, you know, uh, stopping the decay that's going on and then shining light on the truth um, of the gospel and the mm-hmm. good news. Yeah. The, um, the fact of the matter is there's always been evil in the world. There will always be evil in this world, and I say always, since the fall, obviously, in the garden. But there will always be evil in the world until Jesus returns. And you don't blame the darkness 
you ask the question, as, you, as uh, Stott said, you ask the question, where is the light? I, our, our job is to be that light to shine in the darkness, to be that salt that preserves, you know, in, in his example, to preserve that fish from, from um, you know, eroding with bacteria. Uh, which then means, Brett, we are called to be very different than the world in which we live. That's not easy. No. That's a challenge. Um, so as you think about salt and light, and you think about penetrating the darkness, you think about preserving, and you think about it in the terms of being in the world but not of the world, let's flesh out a little bit what that looks like. When we say we are to be different, that we're called to be different, what does that look like for you guys? What does that mean? So I think for me, I think one of the first things is I just have to think about my own personal attitude um, because there's a lot to being salt and light that is about how we treat others. Um, but if you are always down or negative um, and don't have a positive outlook yourself, it's really hard to do that. And so I guess the first thing that I think of is I have to just look inwardly and I have to make sure that I'm keeping a positive attitude, um, that I'm remembering what Jesus has done for me. Um, and so it starts with just myself and living the way I should live um, and just kind of keeping my own attitude in check. Um, and so I think that that's kind of where it can really start is just within yourself. Yeah. Neil, what would you add to that? What does that look like for you, being salt and light, being so different than the world that the world notices? Yeah. Well, I think so the, the salt has this um, preservation thing. You know, it, you want to uh, slow down or, or, or decrease the, the decay that would come. And so, um, you know, we've got to think about ways in which we would live uh, that would help to uh, slow that process of, of decay and, and death in the world down, you mm -hmm. know. And then as light, you know, that is shining light on, on truth and goodness and, and all of those things, we would uh, find ways to, to live that would, um, that would do those things, that, that we would engage uh, where we are, uh, whether it's work or school, um, or some sort of hobby or, or wherever we might find ourselves, our neighborhoods, in a way that uh, people start seeing, um, you know, the, the good that we do. And, and like Jesus says, they, they're going to they're gonna uh, uh, praise God for mm -hmm. it, you know. I mean, we, we know that ultimately Jesus kind of defines light as good works. Right. And so... And so, um, you know, we're not going to, to join in the darkness and in the things that's happening in the darkness in the way that we live. We're going to refrain from the way that, you know, people might otherwise handle sex or money or, or whatever. We're, we're going to live differently and not engage in that so that we can keep our saltiness. Right. Uh, and then... And then we're going to, to be about good works and how we treat other people in order to shine light on the goodness uh, that God has always intended for his creation, mm -hmm. for humanity. So I, I was just thinking about, as you were talking, Neil, um, Colossians chapter 3. And it's one of my favorite chapters in the Bible. talks about like living a new life. Um, and verses 5 through 10 tell us, 
kind of the things to put to death, to get rid of, um, the things that shouldn't be a part of our lives anymore. And then it goes on because it doesn't just stop there. It's not just about getting rid of some of those things that we shouldn't have. Um, but then it says, since God chose you to be the holy people he loves, clothe yourselves with mercy, kindness, humility, gentleness, patience. Um, and that's that's how we're lights, um, is by clothing ourselves with those things. Right. And so I think that it's, as Christians, we're called to not be in the darkness. And then the next step is figuring out like how we become the light. Um, and we've been given some really good guidelines, some really good ways to live about how we can practically do that. Yeah, and even even before Jesus says this in in, in chapter five, and uh, uh, like right at, at chapter five starts, the living the beatitudes. Mm-hmm. You know, if we turned around and lived the way that Jesus says that the people who are blessed are this, right? You know, then then that is a demonstration of how to be salt and light in the world. Well, that's a that's a great example. Is you know the beautiful thing about this is Jesus didn't tell us to go be salt and light, and then not tell us how to do it. <laughs> he gave us he gave us some suggestions in uh, the beginning of chapter five, the the passage that Brett used. There's some suggestions through the Apostle Paul's writings. Those are all around us. Here's the problem. Here, and I've been guilty of this, and uh, I've seen others guilty of this and this is what we really have to guard against and I think it's one of the reasons why I wanted this topic to be something we fleshed out here on our podcast the the problem is the church at times when I say the church I'm talking about individual members of it individual Christians at times it's hard to distinguish us from the world you know we we look on social media and things we post they don't always look different than what the world's posting uh, the things that we the things that we do in society don't always look uh, like you know it's different than the world. Uh, I, I've told this story you know around here and other places as well, but I, I'll never forget going to a, a great barbecue restaurant down in Chattanooga called Sticky Fingers, and I went on a Sunday with a group of, of uh, folks from the church that I preached at at the time, and we went down there, and I was just trying to make conversation with the with the server and. Uh, you know, sweet young girl who did just a tremendous job that day. But I, I just joked with her. I said, I, I guess Sunday's the day you most look forward to. You, you, you really got to look forward to working on Sundays, right? And she kind of looked at me. She said, well, what do you mean? I said, well, it's when, when you know, church lets out and, and Christians come. And, you know, it's just, it's, it's got to be an easier shift for you. And, and without hesitation, she said to me, it's the least favorite day <laughs> of my schedule and of my week because, they're more picky, they're more rude, their tips are not as good, they're more grouchy. And boy, I, I went home that day just thought, what, what a testimony that is. I mean, how mm-hmm. negative that is because, you know, we, we should be different. Um, and I don't know how you guys see that playing out, but, but I've, I see it way too many times. Is there's just, we, we just aren't as different as we're called to be. And, um, and I, think that, I think God's disappointed when we, when we aren't different. Yeah, I think that a lot of times, like, we don't want to be fake um, because life's not always going to be perfect. There are going to be times where we're down, um, where we're going through just different struggles, um, where we have really hard things going on in our lives. Um, and so that's, that's part of life. But even in those moments, we can remember what Jesus did for us. We can remember um, the sacrifice that was made for us. And so even, it's not, it's not about being fake. It's not about putting on this front of, oh, I'm perfect, or like, oh, I'm this person that always posts Bible verses on my social media accounts. Um, but it's just being genuine. It's like, 
Jesus did this for me, and I want you to be a part of that. Like, I want you to share in that same salvation, and I want you to receive the same things that, that God is doing in my life. I want you to have those. Um, and so I think it just it has to be genuine. It has to be mm-hmm. from the heart, um, and it should. It should overflow um, because of what God has done for us. It, our thankfulness um, should overflow, and it should. It should look different um, the way we live. Yeah, I, I think uh, for me, there have been times in my life where uh, being a Christian and, and following Jesus is kind of just a um, one compartment of my life. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and so it's kind of over here where, you know, well, I go to church and I read my Bible and I pray and, and I know the right things about Jesus and about church. And so uh, somehow that excuses me from actually putting into practice mm. uh, some of the things that Jesus says that Jesus says that are that are that are hard, right. you know. Uh, and so um, you know I can talk about who Jesus is. I can talk about what church is, but then <clears throat> does that matter when it comes to you know what I share on Facebook or how I engage? Uh, uh, someone, you know, working in a customer service role, um, you know, can I still uh, yell at the person when I get frustrated at Comcast over the phone? <laughs> you know, uh, Comcast, it, maybe. We'd have to pray about that one. <laughs> yeah, for sure. <laughs> uh, but, you know, so it's, but when I compartmentalize my life to my, my Christian faith is over here and it's just one compartment of my very busy life. Then, then I don't necessarily see the need for it to have an influence mm-hmm. on all these other parts of my life. Let me tell you where, um, where, it really, where it really bothers me and where I struggle with, if you think about this. I, I, think, I think I act differently so many times. I think I act differently than the world. My struggle is reacting differently. You know, I, I go out and I live a well-intentioned life and a good-intentioned life to trying to do the right thing, treat people the right way. And as long as I'm in charge of that, as long as I'm in control of that, things are things are good, things are going fine. But when something happens that doesn't fit the agenda, it doesn't fit into my schedule, it's not the way I want it to go, I then have to guard about the way I react to it. So you go to that restaurant and the food's terrible and the service is slow. Okay, I didn't plan for that to happen. So as long as all that stuff's good, you know, it's easy to treat that person the right way and love on that person, encourage that person, leave a great tip. But when it's not good, how do I react? How do I respond? And I think sometimes I struggle with that aspect of it, of the reacting, responding. Mm-hmm. What, Absolutely. Any thoughts about that? Yeah, I mean... It, I just confessed a sin, so you want to confess yeah, one? <laughs> yeah, I, well, for me, I'd say it's it's in the car. So, like, I, yeah. I I worked as a server at different times in college, and, and so, like, I feel like I have a little bit more patience, or if something does come up, I address it a little bit differently, and I know it's not their fault um, uh, oftentimes. And, but, but for me, a lot of times it's in the car, like you said, uh, it seems the person that, that cuts me off, they think their time is more valuable than me. I take it as like a sign of disrespect, Uh, you know, they don't care about my safety and they don't care about my time. 
uh, and they don't care that, hey, I got here first or whatever. Uh, and so, um, you know, the way that I might react, even though they might not hear me <laughs> because yeah. I'm hollering at them from another car, uh, you know, uh, but I do know that, you know, my daughter hears me <laughs> in right. the back seat, sure. And so I'm having an influence on, on her. Um, but yeah, the, the way that we react to situations, um, I think is, is a big, uh, issue. Well, if we're, if we're going to be the light of the world, we're going to be a salt of the earth. If we're not going to conform, then that does affect every area of our lives and we can never separate. And, and I'm not saying we're always going to do this right. We're, we're not, you know, we're not perfect people. But we don't need to separate our faith from our everyday interactions with the world. They have to see our faith. And I think sometimes our reactions to things um, don't show what we want them to see about our faith. And going back to what Jesus said in Matthew 5, the reason we're the light of the world, the reason that we shine is not to praise us, it's to Praise Him mm -hmm. and for people to see that. So as we wrap up here in the next minute or so, uh, give me some final final thoughts or tidbits on, on being different, being holy. We haven't really talked about the concept of holiness, but, but being holy, being set apart, being the light and the salt that God is calling us to be and not conforming to the patterns of the world. Give me some, give me some final thoughts and maybe, I don't know, maybe a practical piece of advice on how to do it. Uh, there's your curveball question of the of the week. So give me some thoughts on that. So it looks like we're both, both me and Neil are looking at first Peter. Um, <laughs> and so I was looking at chapter one where it says in chapter one, verse 15, but you must now be holy in everything you do. Like just, you were talking about Jeff about it's, it's everything like it's, right. we can't pick and choose. Um, it has to be all of us. Um, just as God who chose you is holy. We serve a God who is set apart, who is different, um, who is our sustainer, our deliverer. Um, he brings us through everything. He is holy. He is a set-apart God. Um, and so we, we have to be set-apart people. Um, so the practical advice as far as how you do that, um, I think that, like we were talking about earlier, it's be in the lives of others. Um, be incarnational where you're actually like with your friends and your family um, just be aware of how you're influencing them be aware of your own attitude um, and how you're treating them be aware at restaurants be aware at ball games be aware um, wherever media, you school, are on social work. media in all of those things in everything you right. do be holy be different um, it's, it's not easy. Um, it's, it's a challenging thing, um, but, but it's, it's what we're called to do in Jesus. Final thought, Neil? Yeah, well, yeah, like you said, I was in First Peter 2, but I was in chapter 2 uh, where he says, Dear friends, I urge you as foreigners and exiles to abstain from sinful desires which wage war against your soul. Live such godly lives, or good lives among the pagans that though uh, they accuse you of doing wrong, that they see your good deeds and glorify God on the day that he visits us. And so, you know, I think that there has to be this part of, of abstaining from things that are sinful. And, and that doesn't mean that, that God is a killjoy, but it means that he knows that there are things that wage war against our soul, right. you know, that, that do damage to us and do damage to those around us. And because he loves us and because he loves all of his creation, uh, he wants us to to uh, to stay away from those things, 
and, and that those kinds of boundaries uh, aren't restricting, they're actually giving freedom. And, and then we live such good lives that, you know, there's always going to be people that don't like what we do or they feel like we're boring or they feel like we're uh, keeping them from doing, you know, what they should be able to do or something like that. But it says, hey, you live in a way where you, you, you do good things and you do good deeds. Um, and they, you know, they're not going to have a choice but to glorify God. Uh, and so it comes down to, um, you know, choosing to, to, to live right and to, uh, to do the right thing and then to, uh, to do good works and, and good deeds that, that ultimately demonstrate not just who you are but who your God is. Right. And I guess I would leave you with a scripture uh, in James 4, 4 that talks about friendship of the world. James says, you adulterous people, don't you know that friendship of the world is hatred toward God? Anyone who chooses to be a friend of the world becomes an enemy of God. Now, you have to read that in the context of, of scripture as a whole. And he's not saying that, that you know, we have to remove ourselves from the world. But if we conform to the world, if we do the things the world does that, are, that violates the will of God, then he calls that hatred toward God. So... Uh, we're in the world. We're of the world. I, I, I don't remember who said it. I probably could Google it and find out who, who originally said it. But somebody once said that if the world fits, you're the wrong size. And I think that's the, the concept of what we're talking about, being different, being holy, not looking like the evil darkness part of the world. Uh, and and that's, our, that's our challenge. So hopefully today through some, some scripture and some thoughts and, and, and ideas that we threw out, we've encouraged you to be the light of the world, to be the salt of the earth. Uh, to not conform to the patterns of the world, do not be a friend with the world, but uh, be that person that influences, that shines through the darkness, that is the salt that would give a, a, a preserving effect uh, to those that come around us so that they won't praise you, but that they'll praise God the Father. So thank you today for joining us on the For God, For Others podcast, and uh, we hope that we've encouraged you today, and, and thanks again for joining us. Thank you for joining us for today's episode. For more about us and more articles and podcasts, be sure to check us out at forgodforothers.org. And also remember that God is for you, and so are we.